Elaine Charlson Bredehoff is the attorney for Amber Heard and is with us now. And we should mention, we did also reach out to Johnny Depp's team, but they declined to be interviewed this morning. Elaine, thank you. We're so very glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, we heard Amber's reaction uh, to the verdict yesterday. Yeah, a major setback for women. Mm -hmm. No, for women Elaine, inside the courtroom it's and outside a major the setback for scammers. Because basically what this said, it, you know, Amber had an enormous amount of we evidence. We didn't see it, Elaine. A lot of it was suppressed in this case as oh. opposed to the UK. Oh, okay. But look at all the women who have no evidence. No, girl. All these women who suffer from domestic don't violence, do it. domestic abuse, they don't have evidence. And basically she what this jury them, said is unless you pull out your cell phone and you tape record That's your spouse you're out of luck. But Elaine, I think it was bigger than that because Thank you, you have the evidence, as you say, but they did not believe her. We did not Why believe her. Why do you think they did her. not believe her? that was that it was Johnny Depp. No, girl. Uh, I think the celebrity status. No, girl. But she's a celebrity, too. We don't yeah. care about Johnny Depp like that, girl. But she's a celebrity, too. Right. But you have no. to remember, she, it, we have, it's yeah. a tale of two trials. All the evidence came in in the UK. Girl, that's Mr. a completely Depp different that system. The burden Stop of proof it. was on the son in, in the UK because they had called him a wife beater and talked You're about being the domestic disingenuous, violence. He had that's his opportunity different to tell system. the truth then. There was no jury. Um, and a three-week trial, he lost. The judge, judge found judge. 12 acts of domestic violence, including sexual violence. Girl. And that came out November 2, 2020. We weren't allowed to tell the jury that. Well, it's a different system, and the judge, uh, it wasn't a jury. It was yes, a judge. Uh, it was substantially well, true. Uh, and that's, that is significant, and I think surprised a lot of legal analysts. But, you know, in this case, the jury not only didn't believe Amber Heard, but in ruling that she acted with actual malice, yes. I mean, she had the intent to cause harm, right? That's a pretty high standard to have proven. And it's pretty amazing since the op-ed never even mentioned Mr. Depp. Girl, who else was she talking what about? What they learned from the UK case is to demonize what Amber, are which you is still what they did. And UK to case. As much of the evidence that came in in the UK and did oh. not come in in the United States. But the other problem is we had cameras in the courtroom. Oh, okay. So here we had, not only did we have a group of Depp fans that were there every day, a hundred were allowed in. They lined That's up at fair. one o'clock in the morning That's for their fair. wristbands That's to be fair. in that courtroom. But we had everything on camera, and we had tremendous social media that's that was fair. very, very, very much against Amber. Very it was demonized. pointed out that that was the first time that a victim of sexual abuse had to testify on live television. Right. And I that's fought fair. hard and lost that battle. That shouldn't have happened. So that's, should not that's have fair. happened. So I am I'm, I'm a former NFL player. Okay. And after a hard loss, it's easy to wake up. Oh, shit. And point to the other side. Take your L. Oftentimes, I realized the better thing to do was to look in the mirror. Oh. What mistakes did I'm I make as a player? What mistakes did our coaching staff make? And then how can we improve from there? Do you feel like you guys made any mistakes along the way? Do you feel like Amber made a mistake while she was on the stand? Because you're saying it's a celebrity, it's Johnny, it's the, it's the people who support him. But what about you and your team? Well, and, and that's an excellent question. And to say, and you know, Amber even said on the stand, I am not perfect. I am a human being. These people were giving her death threats. They threatened to. What about you, Elaine, as an attorney? This what is did the kind you of social do? media she was getting. So, are any of us perfect? No. Is there something else we feel we should have done? Yes. I, I, absolutely. I, I always that. I redo my closings a hundred times okay. Okay, afterwards, whether I win or lose. That's um, that's, that's, that's part of 
being a good lawyer, a good trial lawyer is, right. there's always something. Yeah. But I think that there were a lot of influences here that were beyond our control. No and way. I think the social media, it, it was like no, a Roman Colosseum. No, sweet it is, is the best way to describe the atmosphere here. And I have to believe that the jury, even though they're told they not to go sequestered. and look at anything, we ha you know, they have weekends, they have yeah. families, they have they were not sequestered. And the 10-day period we had, yeah. how could they not yeah. have been influenced? But Elaine, for most people watching this trial, and a lot of people, as you know, have got huge views. It just seemed to be a, it seemed to be so messy and salacious and so tawdry on both sides. Welcome, welcome back to the Magic Hours. I am Zoe Flowers, back with another episode. This one is, as you heard, about the Amber Heard trial. Now, where to begin? First of all, right out the gate, let me say you may notice a little bit of a difference in audio quality today. If you didn't, I'm sorry for bringing it up, but I am away from my studio. And so I'm just, I'm just coming straight out the gate, straight, no chaser, right into my computer's microphone system. So again, if you, if the quality is not what you're used to hearing, I apologize in advance. That is why. So I'm seeing how these rants are being created because I never really plan on talking about these larger pop culture issues when they happen. And then what seems to be happening is I watch the public reaction and then I come in with my own um, thoughts and ideas, et cetera, except for that Jane Campion. That Jane Campion, I got on it right away because the minute I saw it, I was outraged. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so it seems like that's what's happening. And then I, 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 I do a reading at the end to come at it from sort of the metaphysical, spiritual aspect as well, because that's me, that's where I live, that's what brings me, you bring me joy. Okay, so, all right. So we are zooming in today from my Brooklyn apartment. I am sipping coffee and dandelion tea mixed. Let me set the scene for you. It's Saturday afternoon. It is June 4th. Who could believe that? The birds are chirping. I just got out of the shower. It's 10.30 in the morning. And I saw something on Instagram the other day. And it was a post from someone, I think a sexual assault organization or something like that. And it was a little distressing to me 
in terms of this case. And then I saw something else. This, I saw something, an article about, um, you know, this case is the end, quote unquote, of the Me Too era. And you heard Elaine, AKA Umbridge, shout out to Emily D. Baker, talking about how this is a terrible blow for women. And, abuse, and, and notice how she said women. Do we not believe that men can be victims as well? Let me also say this. I'm probably going to jump all over the place. I apologize in advance. This is how my mind works. Hopefully we'll wrap it all up at the end. Let me start out saying I spent six weeks watching this case. Now, I don't know if people in the in my the movement that I have been a part of since 2000 the gender-based violence movement, the sexual violence movement. So let me say that out the gate too for folks who may be new listeners, who may not know who I am. I am Zoe Flowers and I have been working in the gender-based violence movement since 2000. And I have seen a lot in my movement. Some of it has been absolutely amazing. I would say that the person I am today is because of my experiences in this movement. This movement broke me out of my quote unquote shyness. People who know me probably wouldn't think I'm shy, but I definitely used to be more shy when it came to public speaking and things like that. And the movement got me out of that because they just like they do most of us when we come into this work, they just throw you into a position. And then the next thing you know, you're doing trainings and you have to speak up and you have to advocate for yourself in different ways. And so I mean, honestly, I thank the gender-based violence movement for bringing me in <laughs> and and changing my life, giving me my life. Like the movement gave me my life. Like the movement gave me my whole life. She lays the foundation before she strikes match. <laughs> No. So, but, but no, in all seriousness, I might strike a match though. I probably will strike a match. Um, the people that I've met in this movement, many of whom I'm still in connection with today, many I've traveled with, I've partied with, I've cried with. I've stayed on the phone till two o'clock in the morning with, I've done tequila shots with and danced on beaches and debated and probably trauma bonded. Yes, trauma bonded with, and that's a part of this too, I, I believe their response, some of the peoples in this movement's response to this trial. So, yeah, this movement has given me my life. It has lifted me up. Lord knows it has knocked me down. I've 
had had very many uh i've had many tower moments the uh, going back to the tarot the tower is when um you are surprised by something something happens and it totally knocks you off your feet literally knocks you out your castle that happened <laughs> to me in the movement and so i've seen it all i've seen it all i've been extended grace and i've been the victim of violence and racism and classism in this movement and misogynoir, the hatred of women of color, particularly black women. I've, I have had a full life in the 22 years that I've been in this work. I've talked about a lot and I've kept a lot silent. And so it's with all of that, I lay out this foundation because I want you to understand how I went into this trial. Let me also say, because of my age, I'm well aware of <clears throat> Johnny Depp. I watched, I watched 21 Jump Street as a young person. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I loved Holly Robinson Pete. 21 Jump Street came out at a time, I must have been in my early, yeah, I had to be in my early, oh my God, I might have been like 18 or 19, I, I guess, when it came out um, because I had had a major weight loss and a lot of the outfits, shout out to Le Chateau at West Farms Mall. <laughs> Those of you know, know about Le Chateau, honey. Um but a lot of the outfits that Holly Robinson Pete wore on 21 Jump Street, we used to get at Le Chateau, honey. And I went when they were on tour, when 21 Jump Street was on tour, uh, I went to the Hartford Civic Center. I stood in line. I met Johnny Depp. I got an autograph, like all of it, right? So, so full disclosure, I'm coming to you with all of this because I feel like it's important for you to know. So yeah, I was a fan. Johnny Depp was beautiful when I was a kid. I'm aware of his heritage. Like I'm a pop culture girl anyway, so I am aware, all right? All of that said, so I go into this trial. First of all, I didn't know who Amber Heard was. I didn't know about the UK trial. I didn't know about any of that stuff because he kind of fell off my radar before Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, I've never seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They just never appealed to me. That's not my zhuzh. I saw a lot of his earlier things. But yeah, I think I, I probably stopped. Oh my God, now I'm remembering. We went to see that Whitey Bulger movie because I'm also into, like, gangster movies and things like that. So um, I have a stellium in the eighth house. So those of you all know, no. Those of you don't, Google it. So I went to see that Whitey Bulger movie. I think it was called Whitey and I fell asleep in the movie theater as I think about it now. So probably after that, I don't think I've really, he's been on my radar at all. But of course, Johnny Depp exists, right? He exists in the zeitgeist. He exists in the public's, you know, in our subconscious, those of us of a certain age, right? So anyway... I bring all that to the trial 
And I'm like, yeah, he probably did that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and I said this on Instagram. Like, I don't put nothing past nobody, especially with my experiences and what I've seen and the women I've interviewed. Like, yeah, I don't put anything past anyone. And as a matter of fact, one of my mentors, Bethany Campbell, told me a long time ago, probably in 1998 or 1999, never say what people will do or won't do because we don't know. We don't know. So I was like, yeah, he probably did that shit. Let me watch this trial. And, you know, my work this year has been very spacious. This is probably the most spaciousness I've had in my 20 years. Like, this is because really when I got into the domestic violence movement, it was pedal to the metal. I've been pushing it. I've been working. I have been traveling for 20, up really for 20 years. Like, like in 2019 alone, I went to like three countries. I traveled all over the United States. So again, just laying the foundation for how I'm, how I arrive at this moment, how I'm arriving to this conversation. So 2020 was the first time that like, I really like the world stopped for me as well, like many people. And, but then it was, it got super busy in, in like May because I started doing a lot of healing work and tarot readings and things like that. And then I, my work, there, there was a point where I was like, shit, I thought this was like, you know, people are slowing down, baking bread. I'm working my ass off from like the middle of May to last year. So last November, I said, you know what, I got to, I got to fucking stop. Like my body just was like, girl, you got to stop. So I was I blessed enough to be able to take three months off. So I took off, well, really four. And then that kind of just slowed everything down, right? Me taking that time off in November just kind of slowed everything down for me. So I found myself having time to actually watch this trial. And I watched the trial every single day, okay? When I was going out doing errands, I was listening to it and things like that. I was fully engaged in this trial. Now, let me not say every single day because I think there was a couple of days in there where there were a couple of afternoons where I had some work calls. And so I had to, but, but I would wake up 10 o'clock, nine o'clock, watch the trial. And then I have a call. So I have to stop. And then I would go back and rewatch it on YouTube. So I feel very grounded in my opinion of this trial. Okay. So again, Unlike those Johnny Depp people that Umbridge was talking about who stood in line one o'clock in the morning, whatever, getting a wristband like it's a concert, whatever. Okay, y'all. Okay. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. I'm watching it because, I'm again, I'm a pop culture girl. I'm nosy. And I thought he probably did. I was like, damn, Johnny Depp out here, like, abusing people? Like, what the fuck? So, so um, I watched it. And I was bias because of the numbers. It's not like 
outside the realm of possibility that what this woman was saying was true. So I'm listening to his testimony, again, being very clear that this is an actor, okay? That cannot be overstated. So I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching, okay, I'm like, all right, fine, okay, cool. He seems believable, but again, it's literally his job to, you know, <laughs> make us believe him. And so... I watched it. Then I started to watch all of the witnesses. And that's when I, so again, his, his testimony, his opening testimony didn't move me to chorus because again, he is an actor. <clears throat> but when his different witnesses started coming to trial, then I started to be like, oh, I, well, shit, maybe this isn't what it looks like. And what I came to was like, okay, he sounds extremely toxic, extremely like his text, the text he wrote about her and the names he called her and all those things. I'm like, okay, so clearly this is a very toxic, unhealthy relationship. And perhaps there was some mutual violence. I've said that to people, you know, like friends, like perhaps there was something that happened. Okay. And then again, as his people were testifying, I'm like, okay, they sound credible and he could be paying them. Right. Like this is always was in my mind. Let me tell you when the penny turned. The penny turned for me and probably many of us who are not rabid Johnny Depp fans or stands <clears throat> when Amber Heard took the trial, took the stand. Well, I should say took the trial, took the trial and threw it in the toilet because the other piece of it was I was watching the trial on Emily D. Baker's channel, who is an attorney. And I've been watching Emily D. Baker since... Um, this is June. So maybe in February or January, maybe again, cause I haven't been working. <laughs> I was on sabbatical. I was on sabbatical. I was renovating my mother's house. So I had time. <laughs> this is like the first time that I've had time, honey, <laughs> to be like, what's really going on out here? Like what's going on in YouTube? What's going on with all of this stuff out here? And so, um, so I watched it every day and was listening to her commentary as an attorney as well. Like many of us, like her channel grew like so much during this trial. And like I said, I've been watching her for a while because I really do like the way she breaks things down. So, um, so when Amber Heard took that trial into the toilet, baby, let me tell you something. This is what... Her testimony reminded me of. In August 1955, Carol Bryant claimed that 14-year-old Emmett Till sexually harassed her, which led to his horrific trigger warning 
horrific lynching days later. But more than 60 years later, she finally admitted her accusation was a lie. On August 28th, a 14-year-old African-American named Emmett Till was kidnapped from his relative's home in Mississippi by two adult white men who brutally beat him to death. His badly disfigured body was found in the Tallahatchie River three days later. Rob Bryant and his half-brother, J.W. Millam, were charged with Till's murder. Following the highly publicized case, it was later revealed that they had killed the young boy after Bryant's wife, Carol Bryant, accused Till of physically grabbing her and making lewd comments. 62 years after Till's murder, a researcher who interviewed Bryant wrote that she had confessed to lying. This is what Amber Heard's performance on that stand was giving. Her performance was giving very much Carol Bryant, very much Maya Ponsetto, the girl who accused the black boy of stealing her cell phone, very much the woman who called the police on the black man in Central Park who was bird watching very much the woman who called the police on the people of color that was in the park in San Francisco, very much that. Why do I say that? Because in this trial, I heard this woman describe horrific abuse. One particular incident, which I'm not going to repeat because it's not even 11 o'clock in the morning yet. The birds are still chirping. It's nice outside. I got on a cute wrap skirt. I'm still drinking my dandelion tea, etc. And so I don't want to get all into that, even though I did just talk about Emmett Till, but still. Oh, I just made a rhyme. She talked about I guess I have to talk about it. Shoot. She talked about an incident where Mr. Depp dragged her across a floor that had crushed grass all crushed glass all over it. She said she cut her feet up in this fight. She said she cut her hands up in this fight. This was when they were um in Australia. So it was a couple of weeks ago, so my memory is just a teensy bit, um, and there was a lot of information in that trial, but I'm pretty sure this was when they were in Australia. Literally, this woman said there was glass all over her feet now, and her feet were cut up, she said, and her hands were sliced up. This is what she said. The next day, they show us a photo from the next day. The next day, 
This woman is doing a photo shoot in a bikini on the beach. This woman, and you know the action shots, I and mean, maybe y'all that watch the, you know, America's Top, American Stop Model and things like that, where they have to like jump up and kick their feet out and things like that. There's literally a picture of her from behind and she is jumping up on the beach. with. So obviously her feet are up and we can see the soles of her feet. And baby, when I tell you that her feet were as smooth as a baby's bottom, baby, the feet looked like she had just come from the salon and had a paraffin wax, pedicure, baby, we saw her hands, now, we know that survivors, and the other thing was, well, why didn't you ever go to the doctor? We know that survivors don't always go to the doctor. But the way she described this abuse, like she literally said her hands and her feet were sliced up. Now, I know she plays a superhero. I do know that on the movie. But I believe you would have actually have to have been a superhero to where you could regenerate your skin overnight. And last time I checked, there's only certain organisms on the planet that can actually like regrow legs and arms and and shed their skin like snakes. Okay. So this is where I was like, oh shit. She thinks we're all stupid. <laughs> She thinks it's 1955 and we're going to just take her word. Now, she also describes another incident where she says that Mr. Depp broke her nose. She said he broke her nose twice. And the day after, and, and split her lip, and the day after, and folks might know about this now, the day after this brutal attack, she was on the James Corden show. Her face, like mine, can be very animated, okay? She also said he had, like, punched her, did all these things to her hands, and all of these things in this brutal attack that she experienced. She's on the James Corden show the next day. Now, I know Tina Turner got beat up and down the street and went and performed and nobody was the wiser. I, I understand that. However, and also, saying your feet are cut up and then the next day you're jumping on the beach and we don't see not a slice, we don't see a band-aid, we don't see nothing. Saying that your nose is broken. Your nose is broken. And she said she iced it and that took the swelling down. And then she covered up the rest with makeup. Girl, what? I, listen, I've never had a broken nose. But the way she was contorting her face and laughing and moving all of her face muscles and 
clenching her hands in what she called a lobster claw. Like she was, like I watched it. Then she said, when she took out the restraining order on his daughter's birthday, um, so the way he relays it, and of course, again, he's an actor, like we already know he's toxic. We already know that he probably lied on the stand too. But what got me was, so he was, he, his mother passed away. And I think that, yeah, this was right after she pooped on his bed. Um, so she pooped on the bed. His mother passed away. This was all like in very quick succession. And he said that, you know, the death of a parent, it kind of, it can wake you up. You know what I mean? And so he called her and he was like, yo, this ain't working. It's over. And he was going on tour out of the country. So six days later, she goes and she files a restraining order. And she has this little quote unquote bruise on her face, which we think she did herself because she said she used a bruise kit. Those were her words. And then she changed it to something else. She changed the word to something else on the stand. So she wanted us to believe that this bruise on her face that we saw on her pale skin was six days after this other brutal attack when she went to file this restraining order when he went out of, out of the country. Some say she filed before he did because that's like a thing that people do. It's like if you know that you know, you're going to get a divorce or whatever in California, it's like who files first or something like that. We're not even going to get into the fact that TMZ was tipped off um, to be at the courthouse and, and the former TMZ person was on the stand. He actually risked himself being sued because TMZ was trying to stop him from testifying. He's a former employee and he was saying he could actually be, um, sued for appearing there. But he said that he was tipped off to have his reporters there to shoot the right side of her face or whatever side that quote unquote bruise was supposed to be on as she was coming out the courthouse. And he said that the tip was verified. It was, they got the tip and they posted it 15, they sent the people out 15 minutes later. And he said that you only do that when you have a direct source verifying that it's factual. Okay. Long story short, she tipped off TMZ. I. Right on his daughter's birthday, a couple of like six or so days, I think after his mother passed away. All right, fine. Cool. So cool. We cool on that. We cool on that. Fake bruises. Okay. So she, this litany of evidence, there were all of these photos and none of these photos showed any bruises. And when the cross examination, Camille asked her, girl, where are the bruises? Amber said, they're not visible to you. What? Girl, what? What? Now, here's T. One of the things that we had to train law enforcement on back in the early 2000s was that when women of color reported abuse because our skin is darker, if they showed up to the house, 
okay, and a and a and a woman. We're using women because this is what we were doing in two thousand. Or or a person. We'll just say a person who's of darker complexion. You don't see the bruises right away, right? Typically, they don't show up for like a while. And so a lot of women of color were not believed because you couldn't see the bruises. Amber is pale. You're going to see them bruises right away. So she literally would show us these photos that were supposed to happen, that she supposedly took right after these, in these incidences. And there's no bruises. The evidence that was presented did not match what she was saying. The pictures that she showed did not match her testimony, period, for many of us. Hence, she was not believable. She shouldn't have took the stand. She shouldn't have took the stand. She shouldn't have took the stand. She was not believable to me and apparently to many others. And that's just that on that. Then we get to the tapes. And let me also say this about watching her. Watching Amber Heard testify, at some points I did have to turn it off because it was so disturbing because she put me so much in the mind of Rosewood accuser again of Emmett Till like she just came off as a very dangerous dare I say white woman she did the way that she attempted to weaponize her tears. And unfortunately, her tears would not come out. And it was troubling. It was troubling. And I don't know if you all have seen that video of the white women who, um, it was a TikTok, who showed how they could cry instantly. But she couldn't cry. And then... They, as part of a deposition, they shared a deposition from her acting coach from the UK trial that they want to keep referring back to, where in that deposition that happened, I think in January or March, I want to say, um, her acting coach said when she has real emotions, she can cry and she cries a lot because she said a lot of times she would show up to you know, do the coaching session and Amber would be crying. She would be in tears because shit was going down with Johnny. Like she'd be arguing with Johnny and she'd be crying and this and that. And so she said, but when it was time for her to cry on cue, she couldn't. And so now here we are, we're like, oh shit, we just saw her try to cry last week. Now we watching the deposition and the acting coach saying she can't cry on cue. So again, the real, is there anything else I wanna say? Let me make sure before I get to the movement and why I'm really making this podcast. Oh, yeah. So the tapes. 
some of the tapes that were taped without Johnny Depp's knowledge, some of the tapes were taped as part of their therapy. Um, so we're not going to even talk about how the guy from TMZ said the tape was altered. We're not going to get into that. Um, but when I heard this woman tell him on tape, I was hitting you. I wasn't punching you. I said, oh, shit. I've heard that before. <laughs> I've had that said to me before. Fuck. When she said, I'm sorry I didn't give you a proper slap. I said, oh, damn. When she said, I didn't mean to hit you with the door, but I did mean to punch you. I said, oh my goodness. Now, I was in conversation with somebody else who's been working in the field a long time. And they said, well, you know, Zoe, survivors do often say, I hit you. I did this. I did that. When the police show up, I said, that's true. They do. They do. But, and also, when she said, who's going to believe you, Johnny? Go and tell the world you, Johnny Depp. A man is a victim of domestic violence. The way she sounded on those tapes. On Memorial Day weekend, I was going to my cousin's house with my mom. And, I've, and again, this was last Sunday, okay? So closing arguments, everything were Friday. I was playing the closing arguments in the car. My 83, 82-year-old mother was listening to those tapes. And she said, wow, this girl has problems. When she was laughing at him, calling him a pussy because he doesn't want to, quote unquote, stay in the fight with her. When she would try to get away from him, he would try to get away from her. And he was like, I'm trying to get away from you because you have a problem getting violent. And then she says, oh, you're the bigger person. That's right. Because you're running away. Run away like a little boy. Run away. Run away. It doesn't sound good. It does not sound good. Those tapes did not do anything for their case. So, then we learn from a rebuttal witness, somebody who stepped in when she was physically assaulting her then wife at the airport, ripped the chain off her wife's neck and was arrested for domestic violence herself. I was like, wait a minute now. <laughs> we hear you on tape talking about you punch somebody or you slap somebody, you ain't punch them. And literally, like that is like batterer. 101 and I'm not saying the lady is a full out batter I'm not saying that but I'm just saying that that is a known thing like 
I slapped you. I didn't punch you. I had an open hand. I didn't have a closed fist. Like these are things that people who choose to use violence, these are things that they say. Like this is reality. And the lady has a domestic violence charge. The woman who broke up the altercation at the airport. She was working at the airport. So we don't know if she was um, the airport. Um, if she, cause she was in, I think she said she was in baggage claim, I think. And so I don't know if she, she did not identify herself as a police officer. So I don't know if she just worked at the airport. I mean, she, she did work at the airport. She said she was working at the airport, but I don't know if she was airport security. It's what I mean to say. But she broke up the fight. She went over there and she was like, you know, is everything okay? But she did one of those numbers. And she said, Amber was like, um, slurring her words and had alcohol on her breath and ripped necklace off her partner and it left a mark but you you get a necklace ripped off your neck off your partner gets a, a, a necklace ripped off her neck and it immediately leaves a mark you my girl get your nose broken and you show up on James Corden the next day and we don't see nothing okay queen Why am I making this podcast? I'm making this podcast because I'm concerned that given all of that evidence, there are people in this movement, in the gender-based violence movement, who are saying that this is a strike for women. This is an attack on the Me Too movement. And my question is, did we watch the same trial? Did you all even watch the trial? Oh my God, this is my friend Monica. So when I see these, these, these blanket statements, like this is a setback for women and now women aren't going to be believed and now you can defame people and not name them and lose. Because again, this was about defamation. And they both defamed each other, which I believe. I believe that the jury was correct. I don't think, I wouldn't have given him any money. I don't feel like, but I guess they gave it to him for lawyers. He's, if I was on the jury, I wouldn't have given him any money, period. I'm sorry. He's like a millionaire. I understand they said he has financial troubles and this, that, and the other, but two movies, he'd be, he'd be straight again, okay? Let's, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> so I wouldn't have given him a dime. They did. Whatever. That's whatever. So, um... They both defamed each other. I agree. I agree. They both defamed each other. This was a defamation lawsuit. This woman, so here's the other piece that really, um, whew, the way she was instantly believed um, and brought to the top of the Me Too movement, I... I cannot discount her conventional beauty. Blonde hair, blue-eyed lady. Who was wealthy, who has access. The way she was it the way she was able to give what a New York Times interview. When we have real survivors of the other because the other piece of it to me is People in this domestic violence movement or this gender-based violence movement or this sexual assault movement, 
y'all are more traumatized by Will Smith slapping Chris Rock than the Buffalo shootings. They, they ain't said a word about that. So it always comes back to the hypocrisy for me. I guess because I'm a Libra. It always comes back to let's be consistent with our inconsistencies. Let's be consistent in our hypocrisy. Obviously, I'm being facetious. But I'm just saying, we have real asses. Let's look at Marissa Alexander for a minute. Marissa Alexander, who was protecting herself, who shot a gun in the air because she was being assaulted by her partner. She didn't even shoot the gun at her partner. Okay? And she was hauled off to jail and left in jail. And this movement said nothing. For years, years, was it, were it not for the work of survived and punished, find them, donate to them if you don't know who they are, were it not for people like Samaya Faya Coleman, Marissa Alexander could possibly still be sitting in jail. People like Sintonia. Okay, what is Sintonia's last name? Let me see. What was Sintonia's last name? Real victims. Yeah. Santonia Brown, yeah, she's married now. Santonia, who was accused, I think she killed, um, yeah, so she was, um, gosh, do I really want to go into this? No, you can look it up. But basically, she was a survivor. She was standing up for herself. She was a victim of child sex trafficking. And um, anyway, she was protecting herself. She got put in jail. The domestic violence movement, the sexual violence movement was silent for years. Okay? Not, were it not for the work of black and brown women specifically, she would still be in jail and not 34 years old, living her life, married now. We speak facts on this podcast. <laughs> So when I see the movement coming out and talking about how they're so upset and making all of these statements about Amber Heard as a black woman, I just have to ask, where was all this smoke for Santonia and Marissa? And I'm just naming two. There are so many real survivors who don't have the pretty privilege, let's be honest, who don't have the resources to spend, as she said, 
on the stand six million dollars. She said she spent six million dollars on this trial, which she wasn't supposed to say, by the way. And she, you know, was a Camille objective. She wasn't supposed to say that. Who didn't have six million dollars when she herself is on tape admitting to the abuse? It's a lot going on here, folks. It's a lot going on. We all have a lot to learn. We all can do better. And yeah, let's see what the cards have to say. Speaking of doing better, because I think I've said everything that I have to say. Please like, share, and subscribe to this video and leave comments. Let me know you like or you're picking up what I'm putting down or if you don't. If you're, if you feel like, girl, Zoe, I like you, girl, but you're off on this one, let me know. We could talk about it. But let's see what, let's see what uh, we can all learn. Spirit, what can we all learn from this travesty and these, these hypocrisies? What's, what is, uh, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this, Spirit? What can we learn from this situation? Wow. Yes, exactly. Holy smokes. I got the owl in reverse. Knowledge. Whoa. And then top of the deck, I got the rat for fear. And then I got the heron for patience. So we're going to take these cards one by one. Because to me, again... This wisdom in reverse, this is what I'm talking about. This knowledge, it says knowledge, but I think when I think of an owl, I think of a wisdom. Did I talk about um, on the last podcast, um, uh, there's a person who uh, is a friend of, well, more than a friend of a colleague of mine who talked about the owl and the wisdom and said within every truth there's a lie and within every lie there's truth. This knowledge in reverse to me this, this speaks to me of the movement right now. And this fear, this rat. It's, it's so interesting that the wisdom was in reverse. The knowledge was in reverse, but the fear is upright. And that's what I feel. It's like the movement is so afraid of, 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 of being canceled that it's not acting out of wisdom. When I see these posts, again, first of all, I'm like, okay, so you and Amber Heard, you are telling me to believe you and not my lying eyes. All right. That's what I'm supposed to believe. No, because I have knowledge, wisdom and understanding. Shout out to Brent Nubian. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I do feel bad because Lord knows the way TikTok and social media just eviscerated this woman is horrible. Like, like that, like, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. But it, the oh. Me Too movement can't be called into question because of Amber Heard. The Me Too movement, if it's called into question, I think what's, what's going to mess up our integrity, quote-unquote, and how we're looked at as a movement is not because Amber Heard lost. It is the way that this movement is reacting to this loss that is going to 
impact the integrity. Because again, you are asking, I know I'm intelligent. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm going to say, you know, we have eyes. We can see. We're not all swayed by celebrity. So it's insulting for a movement to come out and stand behind somebody. And it is not wise. Hence, knowledge in reverse. It's not a good stance to take. Again, especially when you've got black and brown women languishing in prisons and you say nothing. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. And then we have this patience. So at the end of the day, I'm taking this as a message for me to be patient with this as well, to be patient with this process. You know, this herring is, is standing on top of a green mound, so to speak. And I guess just looking over at things and the fish is, is down at the bottom. And I guess the, the, the heron is waiting for the, patiently waiting for the fish to swim around so that it can catch it. And I think patience would have been, oh, I get it. Patience would have been in order for these statements that the move, that people in the movement are releasing as well. Because this fear to me is like, oh my God, we have to say something. Oh my God, we have to say something. We have to take a stance. We have to take a stance. And not being patient, maybe not having all the facts, maybe not having all the knowledge. Yeah. Again, especially when y'all ain't said nothing about the Buffalo hate crime. And that's on period. If anything, this trial is an opportunity for us to look at our biases. You know, one of the other things that happened that was very much a turnoff for many people watching was when that um, so-called domestic violence expert, and I don't know where they got her from. Let me just say, I don't know where they got her from. They could have got anybody better than her. Look at this. I got the Empress in reverse and the Two of Pentacles. The way she waffled back and forth, the way she was so imbalanced, like, we understand that women are, women-identified people are experienced, you know, high, high, high rates of abuse, typically at the hands of their male counterparts, okay? Those of us in the movement, we understand that. But we can't ignore that male-identified people are victims as well. And it's also not lost on me that a majority of that, those members, those um, jurors were men. So when that, when that um, domestic violence expert got up there and she, what did she say? Women can't abuse, oh, what did she say? Women are typically meek and mild. I was like, girl, what? And see, that 
goes into a lot of the ideology around when black women report, why we're not believed. Because so often we are not looked at as women. We are not looked at as meek, quote unquote, mild. And so when the police show up to the scene or when we tell people about the abuse, they don't believe it. They don't believe us because they think that we're all out here being strong, you know, black women fighting back loud, aggressive, whatever, and they don't see us as victims. And so when that lady said that, that women are meek and mild, I already, I was like, sis, you need to, you need to like, it's not 1991 anymore. It's not, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go to some conferences. <laughs> you got to go to some conferences because women are out here abusing people. Look at the white woman that just killed the killed the um the black man. You know that was his preference. That's what he wanted. You know he had a lot of smoke for black women, and I think he might have been abusing her. I don't I don't think she was abusing him. I think she self defended and she got away with it. And then she was out having martinis like the week after she killed him. But um, so let's stop with these narratives. I say all that to say, let's stop with all these narratives. We have the Empress in reverse and the two of pentacles, all right? This is what they did wrong. They, she went up there trying to be the Empress and it was the Empress in reverse. She should have never testified. This two of pentacles is going back and forth. This is really a time for this movement to revisit some of its stances and do better. And I have you know, bottom of the deck, the lovers. The lovers is all about a choice. The lovers is all about a choice. Do we believe male survivors or don't we? That's the question. And if we don't answer that question collectively as a movement, that is what is going to damage our integrity. Not this one case, as I've already said numerous times, of this well-resourced woman who is going to be A-OK -okay at the end of the day. We have a choice which way we're going to go. And I hope that we choose wisely. That is all I have for you. I am Zoe Flowers, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.